Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Hey guys, I'm John. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. We get down into the needy-greedy and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. But we're always coming from a place of love. You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) We're here for another series on a fucking badass 80s flick. Uh, Very excited. This is RoboCop, people. Oh, my God. It's awesome. I'm so excited. If you think of 80s game changer action movies, this is kind of there. Oh, 100%. 100%. But holy shit, we're talking about Paul Verhoeven, uh, first big American movie. That's crazy to me. Yeah, he'd been doing his thing over in Europe, like probably filming titties and whatever, <laughs> whatever is happening over there. Never seen but his pre-America oeuvre. He went on a nice run of like American action flicks, though. He followed this up with Total Recall. Yeah, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Starship Troopers, and then uh, Showgirls. <laughs> Yikes. He has a weird, he has a weird like sexy streak in him, I think. But yeah. fucking, uh, dude, r- Total Recall and Starship Troopers, those things were the shit. Those movies fuck. <laughs> Especially, I mean, uh, Starship Troopers is probably pushing the envelope for us, but damn, Total Recall, fucking Schwarzenegger and shit. Yeah, man. Those, and, and those all sort of follow his style impeccably. Those are like great examples of the Verhoeven style where it's, you know, elements of things that you see in everyday life that he brings in, like, you know, well, there were a, uh, every things that were everyday life in the eighties, like newscasts and things. Um, people watch the news now and they get sad and depressed, but, um, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, his style was wild. It was like super violent, but also dark humor, like heavy tone of satire. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, we get an excellent score by Basil Polidurus who did red Dawn and more notably Conan the barbarian. Oh, hell yeah. And the score of this movie is really good. It's awesome score and awesome name on the composer. Yeah. Dude, the story goes fucking Verhoeven didn't even want to do the movie. That's like initially the, the script hit his desk and he just dismissed it out of hand based strictly on the title of the film. Um, he said it was his wife who, who picked it up and looked at it and told him, you know, uh, Paul, <laughs> you should give this another look because you could really do something with this. Thank God. Thank you, Mrs. Verhoeven. If, yeah. if y'all are still married, and well, even if I you're not. <laughs> it's so in an interview, he speculated that he, he feels like he's well suited to satire American culture 
like in a very unique sort of way because he's just not American and he doesn't have an agenda. Yeah, it's an objective point of view. I like Like that. he says, I'm an outsider looking in and this is what America seems like to an outsider. He's not wrong. <laughs> he, I mean, he kind of hits the nail on the head, especially the 80s, the 80s America. Oh, for um, sure. For sure. Very like a... Uh, 80s Reagan era craziness. Yeah, it was like over the top everything and capitalism run amok and all that. Yeah. So the story of even how this movie came to be is nuts because it's not based on source material, which is mind boggling to me. You'd think it'd be based on some kind of a novel or something like that, but absolutely. It feels like a comic book. Yeah. 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 No, like it is totally. So some guys are walking out of a movie theater, having just seen Blade Runner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where the, where the humans are hunting robots or maybe the robots are hunting robots. Uh, they never ironed who. that out. Did they? <laughs> That's right. And what's uh, your, wait, what's your take on Blade Runner? Harrison Ford replicant or human? I think he's a replicant. I think so too. I do. I feel like I've seen for sure. Ridley Scott says in his mind, he's a replicant. Right. So what else is there? I guess. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's his story and in his way or the highway, then you got to go with the, the creator. So the guys that wrote the story decided that instead of humans hunting robots, what if it's a robot hunting humans? Hear me out, you guys. I love it. So, so that's how this got started. They were like, fuck it. We'll make a movie about a robot that's hunting people. You know what else I will say is Terminator had just been a big hit. <laughs> yeah. Not long before this. And I feel like if Terminator hadn't happened, this movie probably doesn't happen. You think? I can see like Terminator comes out and everyone fucking loves it. And it yeah. has that tone of like, uh, you know, like a dark, gritty, current uh, day sci-fi story. Yeah. And... Um, I could just see a lot of studios were probably like, what else do we have that's <laughs> similar to that? Right. How can we cash in? But this movie is a hundred percent. I feel like original and a hundred percent fucking awesome. Yep. And we have, <laughs> we have uh, a laundry list of amazing actors in this movie who to this point had all sort of been, you know, bargain basement people played character oh. roles and stuff like that. But um, character actors galore. Yeah. But you've got, um, Peter Weller playing the part yep. of RoboCop. Which I think they had originally thought about we should get a big star. I think they even talked to Schwarzenegger about it. That would have been awful. Oh, no. See, Could yeah. you imagine how big? He would have been like nine feet tall. Fucking. The suit looks amazing, <laughs> but it would have looked terrible on him. The costume. <laughs> the costume. He would have been bursting out of it. it like he, he fucking flexes and the fucking shoulder falls off. He would have off. looked like the giant the, like Hulk Iron Man costume. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that would have that would have looked terrible. Yeah, uh, I'm a hundred percent with you. I don't even know Peter Weller. He's awesome in this. I don't yeah. know him from much else other than I saw him on like uh, what Buckaroo Banzai. I've never seen it. I need to. Dude, I it didn't really work us. for me. Really? I don't. Yeah, I, I tried to watch it and I just couldn't really get it with has, it. It has retained a cult popularity. I've low, tried about these many years. I've tried about 10 times recently to watch this movie called Leviathan, uh-huh. which is like an underwater deep sea monster movie yeah. or something that he's in it with along with another like awesome cast of character actors. But yeah. I always fall asleep five minutes in. When was that? Made? I don't know what it is. Uh, late eighties, I think probably huh. post RoboCop, but, um, pre, 
I don't know. I'm gonna get Maybe sh- right about. I I would guess that probably was trying to rival the abyss. We should get <laughs> shit canned and watch Buckaroo Banzai after this. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds um, fucking awesome. Continuing on with our cast list, the oh, yes. the most amazing Kurtwood Smith playing Clarence Boddicker. That guy is my fucking idol, man. Yeah, I adore me some Kurtwood Smith. I feel like I don't know. This role might have been the best suited thing. He, well, he's he's definitely got a type, right? Oh yeah, which is kind of like a wise ass, mm-hmm. uh, trash talking, like swaggering around guy. You you listeners who may know him better from the dad from that '70s show, Red. That's right. He was also, dude. I was just the other day. I put on Rambo three. And he was just randomly in Rambo 3 in like an opening Love scene. It. He's just a, a CIA guy. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that, man. It's been a long time since uh, I've seen that movie. Uh, rounded out with Nancy Allen, who I think was, she was in a bunch of De Palma movies, always usually playing like a sexy girl, but here uh, is a super spunky badass. Yeah, I had not seen her like this before, but she did great. Yeah, as a uh, fucking. Dude, Ronnie Cox. Oh. I love Ronnie Cox. Bogomil from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Fucking, he has the market, or he had rather the market cornered on the corporate heel in the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, dude. He also was fucking the shit in uh, Total Recall playing oh. almost the same character. He's playing the exact same <laughs> character. But everyone in, the, everyone in this cast is dripping with charisma and talent. Even people in the small roles like Miguel Ferrer, who's l- absolutely lights out oh, as yeah. Bob Morton. Just yeah, Miguel Ferrer. I loved him in fucking Twin Peaks, dude. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> One of my He's favorite such a, shows. Such a fucking asshole. He's built to play an asshole, I guess. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal um, and in this movie everything detestable about corporate america in the 80s but weirdly likable like um fucking gordon gecko <laughs> yes he is he's totally like greed is good uh corporate uh it's awesome whatever sh- corporate fuckery is like to be admired oh 100 <laughs> and then also dude um one of one of uh kurtwood smith slash uh, Boddicker's henchman Ray Wise, another uh, Twin Peaks oh, alum. Oh, that's right. Yes, Laura Palmer's dad. So Verhoeven or whoever cast this shit, they cast a bunch of dudes who walk the fine line between really overacting, oh, yeah. but being right on that line. Like they walk the line of it being laughable. It's so good in this movie. It's so good. <laughs> but no, this movie has got no real stars in it. But no. somehow that still works. I love it. Like, well, what's good about it is you don't know who's going to make it or not. You know, like if you got the fucking Tom Cruise or Stallone movie, you know, they're probably going to be all right in the end. This one, you just don't know what's going to happen next. Um, You want to talk about the movie, I guess, or... Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> Let's talk about this shit. So the opening shot of the movie uh, is the only actual footage of Detroit. Uh, That's which a is, shame, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, so they, they shot the, it in Detroit. Is like a character in the film, but then yeah. all they have is some stock footage or something. They shot it in Dallas, but for the time, that makes sense. It was probably a lot safer <laughs> to shoot it in. I guess so. Dallas. Yeah. Um, so it opens up on Detroit, uh, newscast boots up, uh, for Hoven staple, and it's painting a grim picture of life in the world in Detroit. And the newscast is left led by entertainment tonight's own Lisa Gibbons and, Dude. <laughs> and a character named Casey Wong. 
I had such a fucking crush on Lisa Gibbons back in the day. She had she, her own talk show for a minute as beautiful. well, like an afternoon talk show. Yeah, she's smoking. She was awesome on Entertainment Tonight. Um, the news, this whole, like the newsreel footage, that's like a Verhoeven staple. Yeah. Yeah, he, that's a that's a total recall thing. That's a Starship Troopers thing. I'm here for it. I'm a big fan. Um, the news in this particular broadcast seems outlandish, but now it doesn't seem so far fetched in the world. Yeah, we're the world's got a lot crazier. Uh, so like, yeah. So on the newscast, they're talking about South Africa, which is controlled by a ruling white military, are going to keep the peace, quote unquote, against an African majority with so a I nuclear guess this- bomb. <laughs> The shit was made under like when apartheid was still yeah. up and running or assumes that uh, or assumes that apartheid never ended or was about to crumble. Yeah. Right. But you, yeah, it's that's fucking wild. I love it. You got I lo- the th- uh, when they they talk about that, it cuts over to Lisa Gibbons, who's just like like cutely smiling. <laughs> they're talking about <laughs> nuclear holocaust. She's like, they're very the upbeat about up. all these stories. Yeah. The um, next story is like that. The Star Wars, like the space laser platform as whatever gravity went out and the president who was up on board, I guess was embarrassed. He's floating around. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> followed, followed by a commercial for the family heart center where you can handpick your own Jarvik artificial heart <laughs> with financing <laughs> options. That's a wild commercial. It is. Like, it's like they're selling fucking iPods or something. Oh man. Like he's how, like, you choose your heart. How, <laughs> we got the performance heart by Yamaha. How far away are we f- from a society where rich people can choose their own oh, like, dude. heart. <laughs> like, I, I want to perform like fucking there? Ferrari heart, you know, a Lamborghini, <laughs> a Lamborghini heart. Absolutely, dude. Um, also in this newscast, we get our first glimpse of Dick Jones, the excellent Ronnie Cox, who's an exec at Omni consumer products, OCP. Right, right. They're talking about how whatever Clarence Boddicker's running amok in the city and there's he's killed 31 police officers, which is fucking bonkers. How is he still walking the streets? <laughs> and there's a, like a, now another officer clinging to life in the hospital right. or something three, like yeah, this. Three, three more cops have been killed. One's clinging to life and the apparently the police are threatening to strike. But Dick is like, yeah, if you can't stand the heat, get the fuck out. Like, Jesus what Christ. Total asshole. Yeah, that's, that's and the he's leadership. like. Yeah, it's important, I guess, as the plot goes to sort of set up the fact that the police aren't happy with the fact that this OCP company has taken over management of the police force in the city. It sort of shows the danger of letting corporations run things that should be nonprofit. Like the military or whatever? Or prisons or (laughs) or people who want to privatize school. We could go on. (laughs) Um we're not going to do it yeah, <laughs> That's we'll, for we'll, another so we podcast. Got, we're talking about RoboCop here. So cut to um, the police station. Yes. And it's absolute mayhem. We, yes. We get, a, we get a, <laughs> a look at the chief, a real no-nonsense guy. I feel like that dude's every, like, 80s police station chief. Oh, yeah. Like a black dude, clean cut, yelling at people. I love fucking it. Fucking busting heads in there. But um, anyway, it is mayhem in there. And then we get our, our, our uh, baby-faced... Murphy comes in. That's right. The affable uh, Murphy <laughs> comes in as the new transfer. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I don't know if you remember Wyatt Earp, Kevin Costner, uh-huh. like where he's talking to the guy, Bat Masterson, who is also in his own right, like a pretty famous lawman. But he, uh-huh. you're, you're affable, Bat. Being affable will get you killed. He came in. Yeah, he's super cheerful. He's got rosy cheeks. Fucking 
very soft features on Peter Weller, like these very feminine cheekbones, and he's just a pretty, pretty things. guy. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, the boss does not have time for these niceties. No, no, no. So um, he sends him. He tells him to go, whatever, go suit up. Yeah. So Murphy's heading back to the locker room. The officers in the locker room all seem very disgruntled about OCP taking over management. Uh, yes. One guy suggests a strike, and this is a another. Verhoeven stable, the co-ed locker room. Yeah, there was like titties out and stuff, like and dudes were butt naked in the background taking showers or whatever. That's right. It feels like it feels like gratuitous nudity, but then you hear Verhoeven talk and he's like, no, I want for the future to come off as that it's sort of a, a gender neutral workplace. Yeah, makes sense. Like to me. people aren't thinking about sex. They're just all working. <laughs> I remember that in Starship Troopers for sure, because there was like some luscious ladies in the uh, whatever the cadet locker room. Yeah. So um, yeah. So he, anyway. <laughs> so he again talks about how he's from Metro South. He was sort of a hot shot, like um, Sergeant Nicholas Angel of London's <laughs> Metropolitan <laughs> Police Force. It's total. It's a fucking he, he reverse got, hot fuzz. He got shipped out uh, because you're making us all look bad. This is the shit they flipped it. It's like you're doing, yeah, you're doing too good, so we're going to send you to the shittier district. That's right. Um, yeah. It's kind of a mystery to why this is happening, but we get a little bit of uh, of illumination on that later. Yeah, yeah. So the chief comes in right as the the talk in the locker room <laughs> shifting back to strike. That dude, that schlubby ass officer with a towel wrapped around his waist. He's like, uh, it's that moment, you know, that happens so often where someone walks in and they're standing right behind the guy and the guy oh, yeah. doesn't know. And he's like, we should strike. Fuck them. <laughs> and then everyone's sort of diving out of the way or whatever. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the, the chief, the, or the, red, the sergeant's coming in. He removes the name plaque from the locker of the officer. Yeah, Fre- dude, Fredrickson, was, I think his name was. Um, that was the guy who was mentioned on that newscast. Who was hanging on for dear life. Um, yeah, so he's he passed away. Did not make mm. it. And uh, Sarge tells the cops that he doesn't want to hear any more about the strike. They're they're not plumbers. They're cops and cops don't strike. So absolutely. Um, and immediately calls Murphy front and center to send him out into the field. Yeah. He's like pushing him right in the deep end. And this is where, as they're going back up to the lobby area, we get our first glimpse of Nancy Allen's officer, Lewis, um, bringing, bringing in a perp. You don't really, you can't really tell it's a a woman at first because the officer's got this, uh, sort of a riot helmet on and coming in. They're all sort of dressed the same, right? They got the body armor and the helmet. Yeah. And she is absolutely beating the shit out of this, (laughs) out of this guy she's bringing in. I love this Sarge though. She's wailing on him. The Sarge, when you're done fucking around with that suspect, (laughs) it's so good. Um, Um, Yeah. She, so she takes her helmet off and it's, it's Nancy Allen. Who's a lovely lady. Um, Short hair. Yeah. I like it. They said on the commentary, you know, that in the script it was written like she whips the helmet off this long flowing hair, okay. you know, flows down. And then Verhoeven sort of said, you know what? I don't want there to be any sort of you know, whatever anticipation of like a sexual tension between Murphy and Lewis. They're just both here to work. I think that this is much more effective. And Nancy looks great with short hair. <laughs> I think they had like the same haircut. It was yeah. like the police. It was a police issue. Uh, do. <laughs> 
Murphy's comment when she kicks the dude's ass is pretty neat. <laughs> pretty neat. Yeah. So basically, uh, the sergeant says, like, you know, you're going to take Murphy out and show him the area or whatever, right. our turf. Yeah. I don't know. The whatever. neighborhood, he says. Show him the neighborhood. Show him the neighborhood, right? So now I guess at this point, the scene shifts to OCP headquarters. That's right. We're cutting to OCP. That's yeah. Omni Consumer Products. We see a bunch of just like mid-level executives, I guess. Mid-level executives, um, probably. I don't know if they're members of the board necessarily, but it's definitely yeah. they're on. They're on the way to some meeting has been called. Miguel Ferrer playing Bob Morton is. Uh, they're all complaining about Dick Jones, who we met uh, on the TV news segment earlier. He's got his kind of crony, this guy named Johnson, who's oh. one of my favorites. Oh, we and love Johnson. And then this Johnson. other, and then this other guy, Kenny. Yeah. And so, they're like riding up there talking shit. They surmise that Jones has. A, called this meeting because they think the ED program has come online and he wants to show off. Right, right, exactly, which we don't really know what that is right. quite yet, but we're about to find out. The whole, like, the corporate scenes in this movie feel so 1980s. Oh, yeah. To me, it's like, it is, like you said, like the Wall Street Gordon Gecko, like profits before anything else. Absolutely. Um, and just, like, dudes wearing slick suits and... And yeah, they all want to be master of the universe or whatever. At the meeting, the head of OCP, who's literally doesn't have a name. No. He's just credited always as the old man. The and old that's man. what that's what he's always referred to as. He reveals that like, hey, we're going to level old Detroit, like the crime hotbed to make room to build this new Delta City. In six months, mind you. In six months. Delta City kind of looks like the Tomorrowland or whatever, like Epcot yeah. Center or something. Super, super futuristic. Yeah, it's like egg-shaped buildings and whatever else, monorails and yeah, shit. Yeah, monorails around it. It looks like, <laughs> it does look like Disney World. Um, so he says, you know, but before we can do any of that and bring in the two million workers that we're going to build Delta City, which From there's no way, there is where? no, there's no project that could exist. Like building the pyramids in Egypt, I don't think had two million people working. I don't know. Maybe. No idea. I just can't see how, how can you house two million people? Well, Temporarily, Yeah, it would be a massive infrastructure undertaking. Yeah. It would take some doing. But at any it's rate... It's ambitious. Whether it's really going to be two million guys, they um, they say basically we got to get rid of crime in old Detroit so that we can make it safe for the workers who are going to build Delta City, right? Um, now, that's when he hands the meeting off to Dick Jones. Oh, Dicky boy. <laughs> yeah, he takes over, he reveals the plan. He's got this new... What is the Enforcement Droid 209, also called ED 209 or ED 209? It's also the first time that we hear we hear a corporate America phrase that, that gets used throughout the movie. Yes. Good business is where you find it. Yeah. Basically, he he talks about, you know, these are what industries that aren't typically thought of as profitable. Right. Like uh what else was he had military, law enforcement. Right. But I mean, if you look at it now. Like in the lens of 2019, like That's, all those things are big money and like the military industrial complex is huge. And it is about like outfitting police with military grade weapons mm -hmm. and everything like that. So another way in which this movie really like had a, a, an eye towards what the real future was going to be. But he walks in this Ed 209, which is basically just like a 
big i mean what eight feet tall maybe robot he can barely fit through the door supposed to be even taller than that it looks like it's probably 10 or 12 feet tall it's supposed to be he's sort of like uh, almost like a t-rex or something just walks on two legs got two giant has a body and two big cannons the enforcement droid 209 sweet effects for 1987 yeah i mean it was it was fully stop motion animation and that most of the things that you saw at this time that were stop motion like that were like creatures monsters yeah stuff like that so it was cool to see a robot like it kind of had that herky jerky motion that that stop motion has but for a robot it kind of works a robot in a real world setting too it yeah. looked it looked like amazing. you can kind of buy like okay yeah i guess this thing does move kind of herky jerky yeah. but um dick jones is pointing out like not only is this going to be like great for law enforcement or urban pacification, but also they have like already a military contract in the place. Hot military product for the next decade. So yeah, you can see that's probably like we're talking billions yeah, yeah. of dollars, Multi- like a military billions. contract, right? So um, basically, he likes it because it's going to be a valuable product, right? For the company, he doesn't seem all that concerned about how effective it's going to be at actually policing. Right. Just that it's going to make the company a lot of money. And Morton all, all the time is like eye rolling and not participating. He's yeah, he he's is like, not, he does not like the ed 209 program. He's got his own, he's got him. his own baby. That's right. Which we don't know anything about at this point, but he's got his own pro- project that he, that he wants to pitch directly to the old man, but he won't have the opportunity because of Mr. If, Jones. If you think about it, like ed 209 is probably after RoboCop, like, as memorable a thing as there is in the movie. Like I could, if you, if I hadn't seen the movie in 10 years and you told me to draw a picture of Ed 209, I could come pretty close. Right. Like it's just, it sticks in your brain when you see it. Cause there's something about it. That's kind of funny, kind of threatening. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the noises that we're about, even the noises that it makes, those things stick (laughs) with you. Everything about it is memorable. So they're going to give a demonstration of what Ed 209 can do. And they ask for what a volunteer or he pulls this, the poor, uh, Morton's friend, Kenny. And did you think it was hysterical that the, the guy, the tech running the, uh, the, the actual technical demonstration for ED 209's name was McNamara. (laughs) I didn't even notice. Like the Kennedy administration, yeah. the Nixon administration, uh, or Johnson administration, rather. So <laughs> responsible for like big gaffes in the Vietnam War. Yeah. That was like a flashback. <laughs> so they get this guy, Kenny, they give him a pistol. Oh, poor Kenny. And are like, all right, here, wave the gun or point the gun in a threatening manner. And E-209 bows up and please put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. <laughs> Which does like legit startles everyone in the room. Everyone's freaked out. Especially Kenny, who tosses the gun on the ground immediately. Oh my god! What would you? I mean, what would your reaction be like if I was like out in the street and yeah, this thing came kidding. along? Whatever, like anybody in that room. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be like, holy shit, this is real. You brought up a, a great point because what happens? All hell breaks loose. We we start to hear the thing making lion noises. Well, yeah, right? like he tosses the gun right, and then the, then he's like, you have ten seconds to comply. You have ten seconds. And it's like, wait a second, what he. Then the thing, then that's when everyone starts to the, panic. Well, the techs are freaking out. They're like, they're controlling. They're like, shut it off, shut working. it off. Yeah. yeah. No one can get the thing to work. <laughs> um, and the word overkill just doesn't do it. <laughs> uh, overkill, literally. Yeah, like, oh it, it shreds poor Kenny up. For I mean, it unloads on him. I think it fired until it ran out of bullets. And you brought up an interesting point. 
Why was there live ammo? There is no in the robot. There is no way this thing would have live ammo. Why in the boardroom for the co- for the corporation on the top floor of like the office or whatever? Yeah, there's no there is no chance they would do this thing with live ammunition. Yeah, but so, they, so hilariously, they they unplug it. They just yank. They just yeah. They just yank the wires out of the like control panel. And and that seems either that or the fact that it's run out of ammunition. <laughs> One like like stall the program and ED two hundred nine sort of like. It does the funny shutdown noise. <laughs> it was like I think it's probably the sound effect that the Millennium Falcon makes when it can't do hyperspace. Or the uh, or the plane in Indiana Jones at the Temple of Doom <laughs> yeah. when it runs out of gas. It could and same honestly it could have been the same type like the same sound guys like they had that go to sound effect. If it had been the Wilhelm scream I would not have been like that's the only way oh, Kenny should have let a Wilhelm scream out <laughs> oh and then some anonymous person yells out like somebody get a paramedic <laughs> someone would I call a goddamn paramedic I think that was probably Bob I think it was Morton the like, dude call- is like oh poor Kenny is shredded there's like nothing left there's nothing left of the body oh my god <laughs> and the old man's reaction it like isn't horror no. it just seems like he's just disappointed like you, well damn it this didn't work do you sort of get that the old man is like on the verge of senility maybe yeah he's just like i'm very disappointed in you they all there seems to be references to like that he's over the hill right kind of dick refers to the whole snafu as a glitch which is hysterical <laughs> i know poor kenny oh man we, we hear the old man tell him that this setback is going to cost the corporation what 50 million dollars in, in interest? interest just like that it will take oh, some more time God. to work out the kinks yeah and I just I just thought about this. It's almost like a South Park. Like, oh my God, they killed Kenny. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. Huh. I wonder. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah. know those guys like this movie. I don't get that. Yeah. Um, but yes, they. Uh, the old man sort of is pissed right at at uh, Dick Jones. That's when Morton sees like an opening. Not one to rest on his laurels. Yeah, he jumps in and was like, "Well, we could always." have my program the robocop we could give that a try it's it's a contingency program just in case something like this happened and he's like all right well see me in my office in 20 minutes i want a presentation in, yeah get your team in 20 minutes morton that's pretty says, quick morton says that the whole program can be up in 90 days that's when and that's when he says we've taken promising candidates and already put them in high risk neighborhoods or high risk precincts uh, so that's why that. i think it's like gotcha that's gotta be i didn't even until you're really paying attention that like that's gotta be why murphy's been moved to the dangerous neighborhood bob morton <laughs> having people sacrificed so he can get his get his uh his promotion but yeah the, the old man seems enthusiastic about it and that's when like that so begins the antagonistic relationship between dick jones uh, and jones morton is so pissed. he's pissed because he's oh. like I've been working on this Ed 209 for years or whatever it's been, right? And then maybe we hear the only line cut back to Morton, uh, who is super pumped getting his team together. We hear maybe the only serious moment from Johnson in the entire movie, and that's that Jones is going to come after you. Yeah, Johnson's like Morton's right-hand guy, and he warns him, like, Jones isn't going to sit still for this. So, And he's like, whatever. He's like, I can take him. And then they sort of have an R.I.P. Kenny moment. Oh, yeah, they're like, what about <laughs> uh, sad what happened about Kenny? And That's life in the big city. That's uh, that's. <laughs> So harsh, so cold. That's why Morton. I just feel like Morton's like a Junior Jones. Uh, he is, yeah. He is going to grow up into a fine. If Dick everything Jones goes bone. as he wants it to go, he'd be exactly like Dick That's Jones. Right. I think. That's right. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, so then we go back to Murphy and Lewis. They're uh, chatting it up on a coffee break. Murphy's practicing his TJ laser moves. He's just spinning. He's in public. Yeah. 
in outside a restaurant spinning yeah. his his service weapon on his finger. It kind of makes that that vision of Detroit and especially that moment sort of makes it all seem like old westish almost. Yeah. And and uh, he's you know he's the he's a white. Hat. I mean, there are definitely uh, there are definitely Western themes to this movie too. Yeah. Like a the new cop's going to come in and clean up this town, right? But he's out there twirling the gun and unloaded. We see, but then immediately he loads the firearm. <laughs> he, yeah, he pops the magazine in and then starts spinning it again. And it's like now sake. this is officially dangerous. Um, I thought you were supposed to be a good cop, Murphy. <laughs> but um, yeah, and he's the the what Mur- or uh, Lewis says, you know, pretty slick moves or whatever. And he's like, yeah, my my kid loves watching this TJ laser sort of Western cop show. Yeah. Um, and the, the hero always spins the gun. So I got to try to do it too. And, and then she, she like calls bullshit and he's like, yeah, I like doing it. <laughs> I like doing it. It's good. It's fun. Now that is when, uh, I think the call comes in, call comes that in. there's like been some type of bank robbery or something like this. That's right. And we finally, we get to meet Boddicker and his gang in the flesh. That's right. Clarence and his boys are uh, piled up in a van and Clarence is furious because he opens the bags of money or the cases of money and it's all been burned because apparently the guy who, who we learn in just a second after this, Bobby, the character that blew the safe, blew it and destroyed all the cash. Yeah. He's like, you burned the money. And he's like, well, I had to. What could I do? I had to blow the door open. Yeah. And he's saying, well, we can't, we can't, because it's not exactly destroyed, I guess, but he's like, we can't, everyone's going to say, hey, if you get any money that's burned around the edges like that, it's involved from the heist or whatever. Yeah. I don't think you'd take cash. Man, the dynamic with Boddicker and like his goons is really entertaining. Oh, man. Like he's just constantly berating them and the guys are all have like these big personalities. In this movie, Kurtwood Smith can do no wrong. There's nothing that he does that I'm not 100% on board with. Um, Yeah. Murphy and Lewis are they've taken a pursuit they request backup backup is unavailable but they'll they'll try to have it to them in 15 minutes they say which is an eternity yeah 15 minutes out which yeah that's a lifetime for a cop so there's sort of like just big exchanges of gunfire between the guys in the van the bad guys and then you got Murphy hanging out the window of the car with two two guns shooting up the van Murphy is the only decent shot in the group who tags Bobby in the leg Bobby in the leg but no one else and no one else is finding paper they're shooting out windshields and stuff like that but yeah it's not uh, no one's getting hit so so Bobby is wounded and Clarence (laughs) is like pick him up pick him up (laughs) poor Bobby (laughs) you have to deliver this <laughs> he's like that's a yeah Boddicker like gets in his face and he's like can you fly Bobby <laughs> it's so memorable can you fly Bobby <laughs> he's like no no Clarence no they chuck him out the back through the windshield Stone of the police car cold. I mean just cruelty I feel like that sort of they sort of lose him momentarily after that happens you know they can't see anything gotta get Bobby out of the windshield so, I mean, of the so car you, you've heard that Clarence at this point is, a, is 31 times a cop killer in Detroit now you kind of see the the level of depraved that you're dealing with or he's like I'm going to take this guy that's alive my own guy my own guy yeah. and now I'm going to use him as a means for escape. which I assume is rooted in the fact that he damaged the money right I assume so yeah. I think at that at that moment he immediately became expendable um so then the pursuit the the Murphy and Lewis they find the van empty at this old abandoned steel mill right which that was a Pittsburgh location 
nice. Was there a steel industry in Detroit as well around all the cars and stuff like that? I don't know if there was a steel industry or if it was just car manufacturing. I don't, but you do picture Detroit as that like kind of industrial city. Yeah. I mean, it was at at its pinnacle was the hub of engineering in the United States. As far as, as far as, you know, Henry Ford and the the assembly line, it revolutionized industry in America. The steel mill as a location is awesome. It looks so awesome. It looks fake. It's, I think it was real. It sort of looks like Axis Chemicals and Batman. I just was the, thinking the same the thing. Tim Burton Batman movie. Yeah, man. And um, on the commentary, they say like this was a real functioning steel mill that had just been shut down before production after like being in business for over a hundred years. Like that the that the furnace, the forge, had not gone out. Man, like and okay. since eighteen, you know, whatever. Yeah. If you if you asked someone to describe what they thought a steel mill looked like, having never seen one, this is the place that they would describe. So they get there, they're still waiting on backup and they're still saying 15 minutes for backup. Do you think the backup's being intentionally held back? I don't know. Like we know about the OCP's got their plans. Ostensibly backup arise because it has to. I feel like that maybe OCP, the way they're trying to to get a RoboCop candidate, like that they're purposefully holding back the backup. I don't know. I feel like... I would love to see. I feel like that leaves a paper trail. I would love to see the paper trail. That, yeah, that RoboCop probably would have oh, you know, followed to find out that information. Like, so like, <laughs> if if one of these candidates calls for backup, don't send don't it for send a little it. while. Oh yeah. my god, that's like Jesus secret emails Christ. or whatever. Um, but so Murphy and Lewis sort of are trying to decide what to do, and they decide they're going to go in without backup. Well, I would, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to see. I mean, if they're in there, they're in there. They're like, in there you can wait. Not going anywhere. Yeah, we'll wait them out. The van's right here, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, they decide they're going to go in because they're just good hero cops like that. Oh, man. Um, but that will wind us down for this portion of the movie. Oh, my God. Unexpected. Unexpected. Yeah, we're going to have to pick up and find out what's going to happen. I was getting so excited about what was happening next. We're about to find out, dude. You're only going to have to wait a little bit. You guys are going to have to hang on. If I have to, you have to. All right. Well, we will be back uh, with more RoboCop and more awesomeness. See you guys next time.